Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. There's a cat over here. There's a cat over there. And the wrong one died. And the wrong one died. Welcome to The Wrong Cat Died, the podcast breakdown of the catastrophe. I'm your host, Mike Abrams, and today we have another amazing guest. He was a swing on the U.S. National Tour 5, and there is a special story that we heard about a few episodes ago related to uh, one of the things he did in the opening number, so I am very excited to dig into that. So welcome, Tucker, Ty Davis, and thank you for joining me. Hello, how are you? I'm excited to hear about Spike. You are the infamous Spike that we learned about um, a little bit ago. So we will get into that whole shenanigans. But before we do that, I always love to start with your first time seeing the show, your backstory of the show. Like, when were you introduced to Cats? I I think the movie version, um, I think it was created in the 90s. I don't know exactly what year it was, but that was my first... Yeah, like I had it on VHS. Um, I don't know how I got my hands on it. I didn't grow up. I grew up in California, so I didn't get grow up being able to go see a lot of theater. Um, and what theater did come through town, I just wasn't, I didn't grow up in a family that really valued that as a way to spend your time. So my first um, exposure was the movie, and then my second exposure was uh, being offered the job. Wow. I guess, and then... Yeah, I never saw the show live until my first day on tour. So you weren't a family that like watched. You weren't the kid that saw the 1998 movie and were like, "I've got to do this. This is going to be my future." You weren't even really exposed to a lot of theater growing up, and then you book it. Yeah, well, it, the booking of it was kind of long and drawn out. Um, I actually, I, we can get into that a little bit, but I actually come from the same audition that McCree O'Kelly did, mm-hmm. uh, the My Fair Lady national tour audition. Um, and that's actually how I heard about your podcast in the first place. Was, uh, McCree had posted it onto his story, and I was like, hey, I'm going to listen to this podcast while I mow the lawn today. Yeah. Per- um, and Perfect lawn mowing material, right? Yeah. And then Jean-Michel, um, we were just kind of talking casually because I have... I mean, my best friend still to this day, that was, I joined the cast in, in 2002, and those are still some of my best friends uh, that I will ever have. So I talked to them regularly, and when she said you were doing the show, I was like, I've got to get on this guy's podcast. Well, she told me, so the thing that I've now done 120 plus episodes, and it's so unique to hear all the different like little nuances of the show, because a lot of things don't like, you know, a lot of it doesn't change. Like it's, you know, it's been running for 40 plus years, but then you hear these like, like regional side stories or kind of unique different things. And when she, uh, when she told me about Spike, I was like, I've, I've got so many questions. I got to know about Spike. And so that was like, I immediately was like, all right, you got to introduce me. So I'm, I'm thrilled to have you here. And maybe let's just jump into this because this, this might be one of the more unique things I've heard. And maybe it's not, and it just seems unique. But I, basically the way she explained it to me was is that when you, in the opening number, as, an, as a swing and ensemble character, they put you in just a very generic cat's costume and you danced and that you all nicknamed yourself Spike. So like, is that, how'd that come to life? 
That is partially true. So okay. Spike actually existed before me. I am not the very first Spike. I am just the Spike that was around when the fan fiction internet craze for games seemed to like have hit its, you know, its first wave. Um, so, and so it's also partially true. So I covered. I was a kitten swing. So I covered uh, the five male kittens. Alonzo, who was the oldest of the kittens, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, like, Pounceable, um, Tumble Brutus, and then Mungo Jerry and Mistopheles. Yep. So Mungo Jerry and Mistopheles, I had my normal costumes that cost, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars. But when I played the three kittens, Alonzo, um, Pounceable, or Tumble Brutus, they would put me on in this generic costume called Spike. And so it was just brown and gray, generic cat, blend in, blend out, get in the show, get out of the show. Um, and so w- one thing they did that was really sweet of them because, because I was on sometimes in one week I would do all five roles. You know, sometimes in one day I would do two different roles. Sometimes we were doing split tracks. Um, is that they made my shoes still in spike colors, but they made them look like the shoes that like Alonzo would wear or that Pounce would wear so that, when I, so that when I was on stage I could look down at my feet and not get confused about which cat I was playing that day at that show so your shoes were your swing like that's how you knew who you were that's how i knew who i was and that's how other people sometimes knew i was i would follow the same makeup plots with the spikes with but uh but with spike color so they were like kind of like silver gray black a little bit of yellow um nothing really all that unique but i ended up being spike a lot and like there was a spike wig there was a spike everything and it wasn't really known i don't think uh, until someone started on one of the fan pages like talking about this cat that they couldn't recognize you know because these people go to the show hundreds of times we had people on tour that like got married in the lobby of the theater in vancouver of one of our shows um and so they're very as you know like um intimate knowledge they have very intimate knowledge of the show and so i kind of got spotted and then i um i it at the stage door. Somebody asked me one time, "What cat were you playing?" I was like, "I was playing Pounceable, but I looked. I, I was wearing Spike's costume." And then it kind of exploded online a little bit. And I there was a there was a little bit of a Spike fan club for a while. And I would get all of these gifts for this like unheard of cat that no one had ever, you know, I seen I, I before. Love this. I love so much that because there are super fans who like will go and watch one track or go and watch because somebody's on and like they are they are passionate and deep and they know everything and i've always made fun of peter who was just um gus bus gus's cat um for the onset like for the dance but spike is is not one i'd heard of and not one i even see on the like a lot of the lure and so when i heard it i'm like okay this is unique but it sounds like it was just a cost saving metric it was like let's just make sure we don't have to make three different costumes for our swings here we're gonna make one and just put you in different shoes, and then that's who you know who, who to dance, and you're just going to be one of the kittens. Yeah, and that's basically what it was. And I was on stage. like I, When I was on tour, I was on stage more in the show than I was off the show. Um, I was going in and out of the company a lot. Um, and so it was a cost-saving measure, but, um, but then after people got a hold of it, and I sort of kind of had fun with it, it kind of became a thing in our cast when Spike was on. Um, and he sort of had his own kind of constant storyline, even though I was doing everybody else's track. I was always, if Spike went on, he was always like the youngest kitten on stage. Mm-hmm. So that was, he was be that, my next and that was my, What is Spike's backstory? Like, did you think about Spike's full story? 
I don't I don't recall if I ever like went through the whole entire story. You know, when we when we I was put into the show um like by myself uh with two other actors eventually we all went into the show at the same time, but I learned the show in in a studio um with no set with no anything. I I joined the company um after they opened uh just I think it was like 10 or 12 weeks after they had opened. Um they had a few people sort of hiatus out of it. Um, and so three of us came on, and so we didn't get a lot of the story until we got into the regular playing company. And they would um, kind of let us know what they had decided as a tribe. And, and so we would try to play those things, but eventually I think I got to a place with Spike where I was like, I'm going to be where I need to be and lift the person I need to lift and go through the oven when I need to go through the oven but I'm playing Spike because I really identified with this kind of like, I mean, Spike is kind of like a badass name. Like if, you know, if you saw Spike in a junkyard, I think he would be kind of like a, a force to be reckoned with. So I was kind of known for like just going on stage and messing with everybody and just being a really rambunctious uh, cat that, uh, try to keep other actors on their toes during the show i love it so did you so you like let's let's make up spike's three words what would spike's three words be oh energetic mischievous and playful okay so i i there's so much to that because that is i love i love the creativity and also the fun that comes with this of like hey we've got you're you're on a long tour you're on you know you're going on frequently as a swing it is a ton of work, a very grueling and demanding show. And it's like, we're not even going to give you the, the different suit, like leotards and suits for, you know, for each cat. And so it's like, we're just going to make up our entire own character. But my question, I guess my next question for you is, is that you kind of mess with the other actors, right? Like you knew, cause they, their only indication of who you are, are your shoes at this moment that did, did they play into spike? Like, did they think about, Oh, I'm, Bombay Arena is going to be interested in Spike today, or like, like, how did that work? Or was it mostly just like a you kind of go in and live your Spike life? Um, I well, I think what would be the most popular answer for that question would be that I would go on and do the same track as the actor before me, whether my intentions were the same or not. And I really did try to do that. Um, I won't say I was very young when I joined the tour. I was twenty years old. Um, you know, I was, I was a kid. I was having a lot of fun. I did get into a little bit of trouble here and there for messing around too much or, you know, maybe not being exactly where I was supposed to be at the right time. So, and, 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 and it was a big learning curve for me. So when I figured out that that was a really important thing to do, that I always made sure that I was in the right spot and did the right thing. But, um, some actors really, really loved me and some just wanted to like do their show and like leave me alone yeah. you know like i remember specifically one demeanor was like and i won't you know i won't throw anybody under the bus but there was one demeanor who just i was i was a sweaty dancer and so i was like always leaving like puddles on stage and i could just always knew when i would come on stage that she was like not about the spike energy so we just you know i'd leave that demeanor alone and um and go find somebody else to mess with that is yeah swing i mean the concept of swing i before this podcast i did i didn't know a lot about it and it's fascinating to me just in itself of like going especially in a show like cats which is 
very physical, demanding, a ton of dancing. Like everybody's on stage a lot of the show. You've got to be in your place. And I remember one swing, the first thing I said was just like, just don't get anybody hurt. Like just, that's, that's the number one goal is just don't injure anybody. But then I love the idea that you got to almost create this own character that doesn't exist in this world besides the person before you that did it and bring this kind of different energy to a kitten. And because some of the backstories on like Tumble Brutus or Alonzo or Pounceville, it's light to begin with. Like there's only so much lure with those characters because they're not they're not given a lot. And so you almost got to create your own version with Spike. Yeah. Um I, I'm sure you've finding out this podcast. So I've been in a lot of companies. So I did do the tour and I also did like, I did it with Ken page down in Houston and Texas. And I did it in, um, in Chicago as well. Uh, and I did it at another, uh, theater in Pennsylvania. And I've done the show a lot of times. And so wherever you go, as you know, like the, the, the story changes, but the basics kind of always stay the same. Um, as far as like, what is the hierarchy of cats? Like what is like who ranks over who I think has always stayed the same. And so I think that's like one way that I kind of felt that I could get in and out of a cast pretty easily is just respect the hierarchy. You know, like I knew I was a kitten. I knew I had to be crawling. I knew, you know, that, that, um, not, you know, I wasn't going to roll up and like mess with Jelly Lauren or, you know, August for that matter. Um, because it really does like there is this sense of the show that does feed into your real life when you're on the tour because it encompasses so much of your life. You know, you're with yeah. these people nonstop. Oh, definitely. There's a lot of uh, relationships that stem from this and marriages that stem from the show. And you're, you know, it's, it is, I mean, I just would assume, like, I always related it to sports teams. It's like if you're on a, on the road with them at all times and spending all your time together, you, you become friends or you become coworkers. You know, like there's some version of that. You either, either have to deal with them and put up with it or you become really close. And I think it's a really cool part of the tour. And I always think, like, you know, you, I played hockey growing up. Like, we weren't rolling around on top of each other like you all are on cats, like on our, you know, on our team, like you're still close, but you and cats get really close. Um, but did you, so you did it regionally. Did you bring spike to the other, like to the regional productions or is that, was that purely a tour thing? Um, well, I'd like to only, you know, cause spike is not, it's a, I never ever met another spike, you know, no one ever, nobody else ever played spike except, for me when I was in the company, you know, so I didn't get to see anybody else bring that spike energy. So I also, I think that like my spike was a lot of who I was and I always played kittens in the show. So I always did kind of bring that, uh, mischievous, uh, feisty, um, energy to my spikes, but in, in the tour and I mean, in the, um, regional productions I played, I was always, I, you know, I was usually palatable and I got to give like a little bit of a shout out to palatable because I feel like, he is a super underappreciated and under-recognized cat in the tribe and in the junkyard. And I, I, I don't know if this has been addressed on your podcast or not, but Pounceful is like the second best male dancer in the entire show. He's always the, um, the Mustafa is understudy. And if you watch him, he's doing all of the same uh, work and footwork and, and choreography that Mustafa is doing for the entire rest of the show. But he gets none of the credit. So I always get kind of give a little bit of shout out to Pounceable. That's interesting. Yeah. Pounceable's I think a lot of times with the kittens, it's like 
I, I get to talk to usually a swing and somebody or someone who did it, but not someone who was like, it was the number one thing or the only thing they did. So it's like, I haven't really dug, I'm sure we've dug in some cause I've talked to almost every cat at this point, but not nearly as much as, as you get versus a tugger or a Mistopheles or some of the other, you know, the other ones. But, right. um, but yeah, it, it is the, the kittens do, uh, the kittens do a lot of work. And I think it's like, it's one of the ones where the super fans recognize it, but the kittens are the, usually the ones doing the lift or doing the tumbling or doing all the other stuff that is extremely challenging, but doesn't have the song number necessarily related to it. So that's why they don't have the, to your point, the hierarchy that you, that you deal with, with the, the age and different cats. I want to go back to a little bit of the, now you're doing it regionally. Does the regional theaters, like, did you all have, like, I think spike stems from the circumstance of not even having the, the, costume but like when you went regionally did you have like your swings have the costume and that's why spike doesn't exist like is spike a uniquely tour five thing no it was it, i i know that it that it was before i got there i don't know if it was on the tour before that and i and i'm not sure if it lived on i i i don't know where all the lore came from um all i know is that when i showed up there was a a special wig and it had the name spike on it and i remember walking in for my fitting and i was like oh you know there's only this wig in here for me um but i don't know who spike is so this is kind of confusing and, that, and so my first day on tour when i went for my wig fitting is when i actually uh found out about that bringing up the costumes for the regional production the costumes are such an integral part of the show right like yeah it was um it, I don't know. It's a, it's a it's the show is pumped full of sex and sexuality, and I think that's sort of like a product of like when it came about, and that it was sort of like this first one of the first musicals to use like synthesized music and its orchestra. Um, and so, so much of our physicality, I think, that we learned through the tribe was like about um, feeling confident in your body and feeling confident with like almost no clothes on. Yeah, and then you would get to these regional productions, and the costumes did not inspire the same amount of confidence. <laughs> um, when you put it on, you know, when you went into the company, it, it was a big show, and so they would make you new leotards and they'd spray paint it on your body so that it would like be right for your figure and show off your good spots and hide your not so great spots and. Um, regional production i think a lot of times we were having to call on like other forms of confidence for ourselves and then also like tweaking our own wigs and hair and costumes to make them look as snatched as possible yeah i've um i know i've talked to a few people who've done it regionally and or just in general like even some of the more recent tours and it was like yeah i wore this person's leotard and it was like this person from broadway or this person like they just kind of have have commandeered it almost or even horror stories of like there's just a set of costumes that were in some warehouse that got pulled out for regional and then who knows how long they've been sitting there and all of a sudden are that's your what you get but i just find it fascinating that in a production as big as the u.s national tour of cats that they were just like yeah we're just gonna use the same one wig one thing and just give you some different shoes when these are like characters that people know well, you know, when I um, I came onto the show, I did get a couple of ratty old things that had like something stitched in it named Spike. And then when I started 
sort of, and I, I was in the company for, you know, a, a little over a year and a half, I guess. Um, and so there was a big day where I got a fitting and I got my own costumes. There was a couple months into my stay there. Um, and it felt uh, really special. And I didn't realize that not everybody gets that. But, um, but when I came into the company, it was still, um, it had just closed off Broadway. Um, and so I think they were still putting a lot of time and money into it. So I remember getting my Mustafa's costume for the first time and like putting my fingers together and the whole thing lights up and yeah. having like, uh, you know, an intermission or whatever before you go on, uh, the wig guy, David would come over and like put glass in your wig. And so it would sparkle, um, and all of these really cool things. So, so the costumes are a big part of the show. And if that's missing out, it doesn't always feel the same. I would say. Yeah. We're going to take a quick break and then we'll be back for more of The Wrong Cat Died. I want to go back to the, the internet lore that happened from this. Because, like, a lot of my podcast stems from this internet lore of, like, being able to see the fan Wikipedia page or just, like, what I've seen online. But Spike doesn't exist on the stuff that, like, at least the places I've generally gone to. So when it kind of blew up, what was what was that like? Where was it? Like, how did, you know, you, you clearly dropped it at a stage door, but, like, was it, where where'd this take off? I, you know, I don't, I will have to go back and look. If I'm going to go back and look, and I'm going to send you some stuff on that. But I remember that it was Miss Jellicle was, like, the person who owned the... I don't even know what it would have been called back then. I had like a compact computer I bought at Radio Shack that like sometimes I could plug in if we were staying in the fancy hotel. Um, so I didn't participate. We didn't participate in 2002 with it as much as it was going on. Um, but and I don't. I will have to go back and look and see where it existed. Um, uh, one of the coolest things though, and I was listening to a couple of the other ones, is that after it did hit the internet and that people were talking about it. And I started to get my own uh, fan gifts as well. So I have like these, uh, these original animated um, sketches of Spike and I have a Beanie Baby that somebody painted like Spike and left for me at the stage door. And all of these, like, like one person sent us candy and it was all jelly bellies and the colors of your cat. And, she painted the outside of a, like a Chinese to go container and it was spike. And so she painted mine spike colors. And so I did, I did keep a lot of those. So those are sitting up in a barn and I'm in a box somewhere in my barn. So, um, I, they yeah. do exist, but I would have to go and look back and maybe I can send you some pictures of it. Yeah. We need to get some pictures of this, uh, of, of some of the spike stuff to, to, to put back on the you know modern internet i mean i'm sure this all like is archived somewhere in the depths of the internet because i know there are some i've talked to some of the the super fans in the past who who were part of that like live journal and some of the like earlier days of stuff like well before i knew what cats was let alone cats internet uh lore so it'll be interesting to see if like what that looks like today of being able to bring that back and see who of those fans remember this because like I know your cast remember that's how I learned about it but I'm really curious to hear when I throw when we throw this out to the world who who remembers Spike who was part of it who saw Spike perform who like who knows more about the story because it is just such a very unique piece of the history of the show that is what I've almost enjoyed from this podcast most is getting to learn these like little nuggets of things that almost didn't exist anywhere else 
for the longest time, but happened because the show was created as a world where all this stuff could could live, and like you could be Spike, Spike could be a new cat, and you could have a whole Spike backstory, and that's okay because that won't change the, the actual musical. Right, and I'm sure that more Spikes will resurface. I'm also, I was thinking about it today too, getting ready for this uh, recording, and I was like, if I, you know, because since doing cast, I've done some other shows, and you know, we went through lots of like media training for them, um, and I'm sure that if the internet was, if we knew what we know about it now back then, I probably would have gotten in some trouble on some level for dropping the spike bomb at the stage door in the first place. I just wonder um, about that too, you know? Yeah. I, there were other, there, I hope there's other spikes out there listening. I'm sure, I mean, I'm sure there were, because like your tour, the fifth tour went on for like 10 years. So there's a lot of like, time where there's before you, there's after you, there's, there's a lot of that one production style that I'm sure there's probably more spikes. I just haven't run into that story and like there's only so much from even the super fans that i get because there's so much history that it's like everyone kind of is an expert in their own thing it's like they know a lot about this or they know a lot about the dance or the differences in choreographies or the different um there's a lot of like the role playing with other cats in tumblr and there's too much and there's cosplayers there's too much in the world to to live in like i live in a very narrow subsection of the cats community and i'm aware of it there's artists there's you know there's there's so many things and i'm like i want to just talk about the world built and the decision made at the very end of the show and that's all i care about and it's unique as i've talked to more <laughs> cats fans of like all the different things that they're interested in and obsessed with and what it brought to them as like a very unique part of their life and that's a cool thing about this show to me is that like there is it's an easy punchline so it's, it's made fun of in so many tv shows everyone knows about it people either love it or hate it but the people that love it have a very specific reason for why they love it and that's i think really fun and cool especially as you think about all of the other classic shows where you know I, I i'm not gonna pick one and call them out because i'll get a lot of people that'll hate on me but there are some that i've seen that i'm like sure oh, that was that was interesting it's like why'd you like it and i was like well it was the very first show i saw i'm like well that doesn't mean it's good <laughs> it just means that it's nostalgic um <laughs> And and that is where at least cats most people can give me like a very specific reason on like why this particular part of the number they loved or the, they relate to this cat or this thing kind of goes in there and that's that's different to me than a lot of other shows um, which I love and I'm glad that Spike's story will get to be told even more. Yeah, um, I, I I will say that it's it's the most fun and the most collaborative I've ever had to be on stage. Um, mm -hmm. I, it was, the, it was one of my very first professional gigs. I was very lucky. I was very fortunate to get such a great job so early in my career. Um, but it changed, I mean, it changed my life. I went on to do the show, um, almost 800 times and, you know, 800 wow. performances of the show, not including times that I sat in the audience, you know, and watched it as, as an offstage swing. Um, but it, it's a show. I mean, I've definitely, my, my, my cat's days are done unless I directed or choreograph it. Um, but you don't want to be Gus? We'll live on. I don't have the chops to be Gus. You got to remember, I was a kitten swing. I am a dancer who can sing. <laughs> okay. Um, so I could, you know, I could redirect 
myself. But you know, I think I've, I, I lived it and I did it. Cause I, I run a youth theater company now where I live. Um, and so they keep, it's a non-for-profit that gives free theater education to all youth in our community. Uh, and they keep teasing me about when we're going to do cats. Um, and the answer is probably never, um, because it's also an incredibly hard show to do. You know, you're up yeah. on stage for, um, for a couple hours, you know, uh, singing at the top of your range and, and kicking yourself in the side of the head and doing backflips at the same time. Um, it's just, it's a hard show to do. I, yeah, I love and it. I think that's why a performer, you fall in love with it because you, you either are able to do that work eight times a week or you're not. Yeah, and I think, you know, it, it is, uh, it's like a little community once you've been in it. Like, it almost fe- seems like a fraternity type of world of, like, you, you, you did it, you suffered through it, you, like, went through that hard, rigorous, detailed, like, learning of the show and doing the show and physically doing the show so often that you've come to, res- you know, respect it a little bit more. I love that you have a, a, a youth theater because where I'm from, there is going to be, and I don't know when exactly, a two-day youth cats production on the calendar and my mom volunteers at that particular place and i keep saying like you know you've got one of the leading experts in your family right here to help give the backstory and then i'm like wait a second maybe i'm not the right person to do this because if it's going to be youth i want to be like let me tell you demeter about your backstory with mccavity and then let me explain to you what the ball is and like I, there's got to be some hybrid of like, all right, what's the fun that they're going to do with kids of just singing and dancing and having a good time versus like, I also don't understand how you do it for two days. Like it's, it's crazy enough to me that some regional productions do it for like three weeks. Like it's so physical and challenging. That's and what to I was just thinking in my, how do you like, how, like the, it is so hard. How could you do all that and rent the car? Co- I hope rent the costumes. They're not building them and do that for two days. It seems that seems uh, like a way too big of a project, and that's why I won't do it. <laughs> yeah, I have a lot of follow-up questions, but it's I don't think it's till next year, and I don't know if they've really decided all that stuff. My guess is it's probably going to be some type of like choir performance of it versus the actual, or like a little bit of dancing and not the actual story of it, because it's, it's a kid's production, and I think like young kids not you know not like a high school production it's i think it's like children so they're not going to do two and a half hours with intermission type of thing but i i keep offering i keep saying i know a whole lot and i'm here and i will happily come and and chat but we'll we'll see that's one of these days one of the backs yeah there'll be a lot of uh cats There'll be a lot of cats for you to interview after yeah, that production. Yeah. Uh, yeah, a bunch of. I don't. I don't think I need kids on the podcast yet. Although I do. I do want to hear one <laughs> child's perspective, seeing it without knowing of like, what does that? What does that feel like? If you're ten, like, is it just singing and dancing cats that you kind of enjoy? Um, and I've talked to some kids. Like one of my friends brought their their daughters to the show in DC on the most recent tour, and like I, I spent time with them after, and they just loved the the costumes and the dancing and like the fun but they can't articulate the the fun of it it's just like oh yeah it's unique and different but i think that's honestly like yes like i remember my sisters and my cousins i remember them bringing backstage with pantages in la when i was playing mistopolis and and we got to like paint all their faces and and they got to like live the cat stream and they got to meet the cats backstage and they got in the audience and watch it but i think also most adults who see the show can't articulate no. I mean, maybe some of them. No. But well, a lot of them can't, you know? No, it's, I mean, 
before I started this podcast, I, I, the first time I saw it, I literally walked out and a lot of the joke of this podcast, the parody came from me making a joke of like, what did I watch? Like I understood the redemption arc of Grizabella. I understood that there's this like tribe and cultish vibe and I was overwhelmed by the rest. The rest, I'm just like, this is X Factor on drugs. Like this is, that's all, that's all I kept saying is I just watched <laughs> the X Factor on drugs and they picked a winner at the end and that was that was it but then it was like as you learn more it's like oh that makes sense this makes sense like all these decisions make a ton of sense but you either have to deep dive into it like i have watch the 98 movie over and over again read the lure online or see it hundreds of times like to really kind of start doing it because there's too many cats on stage most of the time that you can't physically watch them all like i can't i couldn't keep my eyes on when i went to see the tour i'm like well i want to see what the twins do because that's a really fascinating story arc i'm like i couldn't even find them half the time and then when i do see them i'm like i'm missing what's happening over here and so it's just a little sensory overload when you watch it as a spectator and real like as a live production that you're not gonna be able to pull that stuff out yeah, I wonder if, like, because I know when we were in the show, we were really encouraged to to bring our, to that our tribe would make its own rules and that our yeah. tribe would make its own decisions about what happened. And, and that was encouraged because um, because if we didn't know what we were doing on stage, then and if we weren't invested in it, then nobody else would be invested in it either. And that it wasn't so much about whether the audience understood your story as much as that they just understood that you had a story. Mm-hmm. Um and I just, I wonder when, you know, Jillian Lynn was such a huge part of the creation of the show, the original choreographer, mm-hmm. and Trevor Nunn. So I wonder if they had any idea, because nothing had been, I mean, song cycles had been done before, but this is different than a song cycle, you know? It's, um, so I wonder if they had any idea that it would explode its way or that, or that it would be so unique from cast to cast and production to production. I, I can't fathom that they did. I feel like this is some, one of the things that when, you know, with the way the show gets put up is it, it's going to start, you're going to have some, like there's obviously a lot of thought that goes into this. This wasn't just like, you know, winged completely, but I don't think they probably spent or thought that there would be a world where somebody would take the time to, to talk about all the things Pounceville could possibly have done with his backstory in life. Like outside of the, the two and a half hours you get outside of the ball, what's this look like or what was last year's choice or next year's choice like I, a lot of these things i'm sure were never thought of but a lot of the stuff was very well thought through and there are some angles of the story but i've compared it a lot to harry potter or i mean even the twilight like a lot of stuff that has the fan fiction where a world was created that has a lot of options and there's some characters developed but they're not fully developed they're like partially developed and so because you don't you're not gonna be able to fill in the blanks of like you get only pieces of this information and so i definitely think that that's what cats has turned into over these years now which is there is you're you know you can only play them so like you can't play too far away from tugger or mustafwes or Isabella, but you can play some minor things. Like if you're Grizabella, do you play Victoria as your daughter or not? Do you like, like there are some little things like that, that you could make small tweaks to, and it won't change the show. It won't change the production. Most people won't even notice it, but it will change a little bit of the vibe that happens of like Tug and Mustafa's are they together? Are they best friends? Bomb Demeter, are they together? Sisters or best friends? Like how does that, like all those things are still Bomb and Demeter are going to sing McCavity and they're going to do their dancing. But they could have some different vibes. 
do. You know, I think that, you know, Obama and Demeter, I mean, obviously they share a tormentor, you know, mm-hmm. that is their major vibe together. Thinking about, you know, and one thing that dawned on me listening to you talk, because I remember uh, when Nikki Zandro, she was a swing on our torch, when she would go on for Jelly Lorem and I would be on for Spike, I do remember that we had a secret family unit, that we were, okay. <laughs> that we were a mother and and son, and I never, I really didn't dawn on me until I was listening to you talk about whether or not Victoria is Christabella's daughter, because like that was always, and there was no, you know, some of these things weren't answered in the cast, or it was a different answer for different people, you know, um, you know, because it was, it was, it depends on who is on for Victoria, and it depended on who was on for Syllabub, really, you know, it's yeah. like either Syllabub or Victoria are, you know possibly that the offspring or the offshoot of that character um which you know but then who you know we'd always get into the conversation and these are the conversations we would have to um on tours it's like we would get into um well if that's the case then then how did then where did the kid come from you know yeah. who, who's the father of the cat you know? Yeah, I, I mean, um, this is exactly what I have dug into. This is literally the the purpose of this podcast has turned into is originally it was me explaining why I just thought Griswold was the wrong choice and why everyone was more worthy. And then it's turned into, wait a second, everyone has a slight different variation of this. Let's hear what everyone's version is because it's so unique. So I love that we can add some lore here that Jelly Lorem is Spike's mom. Did you figure out the dad? Um, well, I mean, I think obvious. I mean... I, I guess I, in my head it's just Gus because they're you know because you know they're they're uh, they've got that connection and they they're acting you know I guess it was I guess but I I go to um uh uh what was her name when she was the opera singer I can't remember Grouty or Griddlebone Griddlebone yes 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 so I think that like. It, we would just connect it to like a griddlebone situation. Okay. The griddlebone and uh, Gus and Growl Tiger would um, would have this offshoot called Spike. I lo- so I love that that it's not even it's like the story within the story within the story. So it's Griddlebone and Growl Tiger's kid is Spike. So, but you know, you come up with these things when you um, when you are when you don't know what city you're in yeah. and you don't know what month it is and you're sitting across. From somebody who you're pretty sure you know who they are, but you definitely know who their cat is, and you're pretty sure you know who the human is behind it all. Um, and you know, I think, I think it's like you, like we were talking about before. It's like it's the magic that just happened with the show. Is that there's so much unsaid during the show that it allows there to be so much uh, to say about it yeah. outside of the production. I love it. All right, let's do some rapid fire because I want to get to the, the most important question here. So um, if you could go on for one cat any night, forget male, female, if you could do it, sing, dance, just one night, who would you want to go on for? Mustafa's, of course. Just go, Yeah, I'd love to go back from Mustafa's. Close the fingers, get the light up costume, have some fun. Yeah, it was the hardest. It was the hardest dance ever. Like, I used to, no joke, I don't want to make anyone gross out, out there, but I used to literally vomit in my mouth on stage and just like back it down the chute. And I remember a syllabub looking at me, her name is Katie Wander, and she was like, don't, don't do it, don't do it. <laughs> and I would turn backstage and I'd go for my little salute and I'd be like, Whoa. I would be like in my, it was so incredibly hard to do that role. Um, I left the company um, and I got to do 
uh, Mustafa's for like the last four weeks of my uh, touring career with 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 that company. Um, and so it was it was really special. Um, it was something I had to really work for. Um, and so if I could have the stamina to go back on stage one more time to do that, I would definitely do my stuff. Nice. Um, who are your favorite and least favorite cats characters? Not, not actors, characters. Okay. Um, my favorite is Cassandra, um, because there's like nothing to her and she has this way of like slinking around stage and she sings in this low kind of like sultry voice about the Pharaoh and then she's gone and you never hear from her again, really. Um, and so I thought I always wanted to be Cassandra and her tail was like really sleek and she could whip it around really quick. Um, so I think Cassandra's probably my favorite cat there is. Um, my least favorite cat um, is, is or any of the cats that came out like the Siamese. I hated it. I hated doing it. I hated watching it. I hated singing it. I hated wearing a costume on top of a costume that was already hot. Um, and that was like really now we know racially insensitive. Yeah. Um, or ethnically insensitive rather. Um, so, um, you know, uh, any of the Siamese cats, least favorite, hands down and Cassandra most favorite. Okay. Favorite song in the show. Um, to perform was definitely rum tum tugger. Nope. I take that back. I want to take that back. I apologize. Um, when there were, when you were Tumble Brutus or, um, Alonzo or Pounceable in our company, you were, you danced back up in the cavity and that Ooh. was the, the coolest thing to do because that wasn't, I didn't ever think I would be able to do that number. Like when I watched the VHS when I was younger. Um, and so when I learned that in the rehearsals, I got really excited because, um, I also didn't have to sing during it because it was all female voices. So we yeah. would just dance. <laughs> And go out there and have a blast. So McCavity was definitely my favorite number to dance. Awesome. All right. Million dollar question. I, I will happily give you my answer after, but I've argued at length that I don't think Grizabella is the right jellical choice. So I need to hear, are you going to defend Grizabella or are you going to give me a different jellical choice? If you Tucker are picking as, as old Deuteronomy. I obviously have been thinking about this since, we talked via email, and I and I'm and I'm not allowed to have two answers, right? I'm not allowed. So you can have two answers, but I'm going to make you pick one for how I, I do keep track of the votes, and so I will let you have two answers because okay. I do keep a one A one B, but I need to know the one A still for who do I give you credit for? Okay, okay. So I'm gonna I'm gonna defend Grizabella for a second, and then ultimately not choose her. Great, um, Grizabella. If you and I'm sure you know this already, and, and um, but the song wasn't added, it wasn't in the show originally. You yeah. know, Grizabella the Glamour Cat was, um, but the song Memory uh, was not. Um, and it's kind of like it's just like the opening number. It's kind of fictionalized around the other writings of T.S. Eliot. Um, I don't think you know, just from a show standpoint, like the show would not be. I don't think it would have been without that song Memory. Um, I it would not have lasted. It would not be a thing. We wouldn't have this podcast. We wouldn't be talking right now if it weren't Grizabella singing memory at the end. That's just my opinion. But with that being said, I, I you know, talking about McCavity, I had, you know, when I was a kitten on stage, I always really, um, um, 
thought about like the the tormenting that McCavity did and in the and I have to say that in like the in the spirit of redemption and rehabilitation, I think that I would choose McCavity to go to the heavy side layer to hopefully relieve some of the tensions with the females in the tribe and to maybe come back as a more positive force in the junkyard. I, I love Final that answer. Final answer, McCavity. I love the answer because it's like there is it's he fits the age demographic you know you want it to be one of the older kittens for sure there is the like does he need it it's like yeah he probably does he's tormented so many people and then there's a hope of like a best decision for coming back i want to go back to your grizz defense though because i i don't think you cut memory if you don't if you don't pick her i still think you let her belt it out but I want her to spend the rest of the time with the tribe, like welcome her back to the tribe. And then just whoever walks up on the, the tire can, can be the choice. Like I, I think the whole story stays exactly the same, but then she gets welcomed back to her family and you can let Gus go up on the tire. You can let McCavity go up on the tire. Like you're all out there who goes and is your choice. So no one touches her. Victoria, Vicky, Vicky never touches her. You it's can just like, okay, that was a good song. You now can still Skimble touch her. Came. Let's Uncle, bring her Uncle back Skimble. to her family. Like, let's let her be part of the tribe. Okay. Yeah, because uh, you're right. Okay. If you cut I mean, a memory out of the it, show, it's not. It's not gonna. It wouldn't be here forty years later. Like, it's it's such an in, like an important part of cats. Yeah, I mean, it's what I think it was. It was the flagship of the show. Was that you know, was you know Elaine Page being Grizabella. Mm-hmm. Um, I do. I. I do think the show, I would love to see if it was like reimagined and, you know, and I've been obsessed now over the last few days getting ready for this, thinking about what it would be like if, if there was a different cat chosen every night and if it was like audience response and like I, just reach under your seat at, and my vote dream. for the cat who you think. And because I would have, I would have loved to have ridden the tire. It's so it's my but that is my dream scenario and I think it would work perfect on tour because you add so many fun layers to this. One is you get audience participation for some people that either know the show or don't know the show. You get this like really unique, you know, I think tour it seems like tour could get a little stale. And that's why you get some of these stories is because you're doing this eight times a week in different cities, but it's the same thing that you you almost have to liven itself up for you or you're it's repetitive so it gets rid of that you have a different choice you go city to city and you have a different audience but you definitely have some of the similar people like people will go multiple times and you could almost like say hey if it was skimble shanks yesterday they're not an option today or it brings out like who really sells their number tonight like who really brought their a game tonight for for that number and i feel like it would still skew towards gus grizabella Tugger, Mustafa's like yeah. Skimble Shanks, like some of the McCavity, like the, it's going to skew to the, the cats that have like big, meaty numbers. But I, I think like at the end, you just pull it out and again, American Idol, X Factor, it, let people vote, pull the, put the stats up, yeah. and then somebody and helps up on this time. Every once in a while, you're going to have a Corco Pet. Yeah. You're going to have a Corco Pet or like a Tantamile. And. You know, it's not going to be one of the big name cats. Well, and I think um, you have, like, you get to somebody's hometown, I, and they bring their whole dance community or their their high school with them, and all of a sudden they're they going to skew the results, and you're going to get a 
one of the twins or you know you're gonna get some some random cat that night so i i I love it i think it brings a whole different layer to this buster for jones exactly although that would be challenging because you'd have to get gus you'd have to get gus out of costume back into buster that's what i was thinking i was like buster for jones would be a pain and they probably already you know if it's your last night on tour that box is already on the truck i'm sure yeah that coat is gone yeah but i (laughs) I think there's a world where this could be done and I, it's not going to happen unless it gets reimagined. You know, it's being reimagined uh, in the in New York on like a ballroom setting, and they're doing some different things. But like, this doesn't have to be that far reimagined. And I, I'm, I'm com- like, I will do it. I will happily. I, I have no ability to actually do any other part of the show. I couldn't teach you to dance choreography. Couldn't tell you anything about staging. Couldn't tell you anything else. But I could help you with the voting system of how to do this in each city. Well, you have quite a few people you've met now who could do all the rest of it for you, I think. So. Definitely. Exactly. I will outsource all the rest, and I just need uh, Andrew Lebeber to reply to me and uh, to agree to this. And one day, one day my dream is going to happen. I feel like, you know, if I, if I record enough of these, at some point, he's going to have to respond to me. You're going to have to pay attention. Have you never heard from Andrew Lebeber? I have uh, never actually reached out because I'd like joking about it, but I do. There are a few people that if they come on this podcast, then my like there's definitive answers of why it's got to be Grizabella and they can make this, you know, parody end by just saying, here's why that decision is correct. Um, so I've kind of avoided it, but I definitely uh, I, it's it's going to come eventually. I'm going to I'm going to work my way towards towards, uh, you know, towards him to to come on and, and share a story that would be amazing well this has been extremely fun i am so glad we got to share the spike story with modern internet i guess like with, with updated internet and we'll get, yeah. have you send uh some of the pictures to me and some of the stuff and we'll we'll share the spike wig or whatever you have uh the the fan art and all the stuff that that brings the spike lore and if anybody else has listened to this and you were spike uh let me know i'm i want to hear more uh about how spike evolved over the years if he if he has Um, this has been super fun how can people stay in touch with you on social media and keep up with what you're doing uh, I am Tuck Davis on Instagram. Um, the the theater company that I run is Running to Places. Uh, we have a great website. You can check it out. It's Running to Places, um, Running to Places dot org. Um, we're also on Facebook and Instagram as well. Um, and that's where I do all my theater news. Amazing. We'll link all of that as well, so everyone can find it. And thanks again for being an amazing guest. Thank you so much, Mike. And thanks, everyone else, for listening to this episode of The Ronca Die, the podcast breakdown of the cast catastrophe. To follow along, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else to listen to podcasts. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok, and threads now at The Ronca Died. And check out our website, theroncatdied.com. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work 
or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R E R I S E T H E A T R E dot org because only together we rise. <laughs> 